Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast platforms. YouTube, like, subscribe there as well. Join me today. Iman. Adon, hello. How are you? Good. How are you? It's my sing-songy intro. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I, I just like watched uh, The Little Mermaid with um, the new one. And uh, so I'm kind of in a sing-songy mood. My daughter was just like, ecstatic watching it. She's watching it all the time. She's walking around going, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that might be why. I... Yeah, no, I feel you. I love that movie and um, definitely just sang entire, I, and I can't sing. I'm very bad at it, but you know, Halle Bailey made me uh, want to be a singer for a little bit. So you are walking around going, ah. Oh, for sure. Beautiful. I want to be a part of yeah. your world. Miss <laughs> <laughs> McCarthy was a bit of a downer in that movie. I'm just going to say that right there. I don't want to like, you know, no reason to go into being uh, critical of the actors, but she kind of was a downer for me in, in the film. I got, I got to say, she just didn't really bring it the way I thought that an Ursula should. Maybe hey, my, my four-year-old niece watched it and was like, she still looks like a cartoon. And I'm like, well, they can't really make her into an octopus. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, don't fault her for that. <laughs> but yeah, she was, she was, apparently was not a, not a huge fan of most McCarthy in the movie. Well, that makes two of us. <laughs> so, Awkward segue. Uh, Team Canada <laughs> wrapped up their FIBA Basketball World Cup with, uh, I mean, damn, like they beat the United States. And Dylan Brooks going into the game um, after they had lost to Serbia, he sent a group text to the folks and he said, hey, this is what we wanted. We wanted to beat the United States. And they did. And now granted, no Jaron Jackson, no Pella Boncaro. They both had some sort of illness. Not sure what happened there, but they obviously would have been very useful against the Canadians. But, hey. It is what it is. Canada finishes with the bronze. What's that? I said you play who's in front of you. You don't exactly. get to, you don't you don't pick people we are a fan of. <laughs> Moving on from Melissa McCarthy. What Canada did, I mean, we made history. Like that was a Canadian history moment. I say we as though I'm on the team. Um, but no, Canada made history and it was so incredibly impressive watching them from start to finish and really watching this team come under Jody Fernandez in such short time to yeah. do what they were able to do. It was a lot of fun. And you know that like watching, I think to me, what, what was so special watching it from home is how many people got up at 4.30 to watch the game. Like I, I you know, I turn on Twitter and I'm seeing all the same people who are tweeting during 7.30 Raptor games um, mm. at 4.30 to watch the same thing. And it's just like, in order to get a, 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 an entire country to be that infectious over basketball is always really, really fun because yeah, this is still a, a hockey nation, but watching people get excited about basketball is, is great. And we're seeing it happen. Yeah. I admittedly, I did miss the USA game. I was in Niagara Falls. I was away. The summer goes on. So it is what it is, but I did watch it. And uh, as long as you were on the Canadian side of Niagara Falls, you're fine. <laughs> you're on the American side. It's so much little... better. 
there's no reason to go there outside of some outlet shopping. Like it's, it's kind of depressing actually. Um, so, and most Americans it's, it's hilarious that you can just like walk across the border from bridge to bridge and be in the United States and be in Canada. Um, great feature for everyone. Um, but I did watch the game and it was funny that, I mean, granted, like I mentioned, you know, Jaron Jackson and Paolo Bancaro were not playing, but it's like the U S said, okay, we're going to go small ball too. And Canada's like, fine, but we're better at it. And <laughs> like, they're trying to, they're switching Ant and Jalen Brunson and, you know, all these guys. And it's just not really the same. Like Canada has too much size, too much uh, athleticism, too much length. And uh, ultimately, I mean, outside of the Zach Eady minutes, which I mean, unfortunately for him, he was minus 15 and two minutes and 18 seconds. You cancel that. And wow, like Canada outplayed them pretty damn well. You know, from top to finish, uh, the, the defending, the the way they're able to get into their offense. Shea was just a problem nonstop for that entire team. The way that he was just cooking Mikhail Bridges, it was really impressive. And the way that he developed throughout the whole whole tournament, man, like he was really, really impressive. And I'm just excited to see what he does in the NBA where it's kind of easier for him to score. I mean, yeah. Someone you didn't mention who wasn't there is Brandon Ingram. And that's because... It didn't hurt them at all that he wasn't there because yeah. he's not been helping them for the entire tournament. And like you look at the American team, you, you mentioned it, they go small and it's like, OK, well, we can beat you at that. I, I think watching this entire tournament, you look at both of these North American teams that don't really have the the bigs. You mentioned it was Zach Eady being a minus 15 in two minutes and 18 seconds. And granted, he's a kid. He's we're yeah. hoping that he gets better. Like there's there's a lot of sort of growth for a guy like Zach Eady that you, you know, hope to expect, especially in his, you know, next year in, in college. But um you look at the sort of American team and it's like why why was that your strategy against the Canadian yeah. team? Like what was Steve Kerr doing that you thought that that would be successful? Um playing small was not going to work, but granted, uh you know, they they didn't have Jaron Jackson Jr., another guy who has not been great for them, mainly because they came into FIBA wanting to play this small ball thing. And I think, you know, yeah. criticizing America for doing this, it's like it's something that Canada can also look at because, you know, shout outs to Dwight Powell, shout outs to Kelly and Linick who are your bigs. Those are still kind of small in terms of FIBA play. And we did see Canada, you know, at times get bullied. Uh, you know, the Serbia game sort of sort of stands out as one of those. Yeah. Brazil as well. Some of those losses and you're seeing the lack of size there. So uh, I think, you know, the United States and Canada have a similar problem in the lack of bigs that they have. But what Canada has is Shea Gildress-Alexander. What Canada, Canada has is FIBA Dylan Brooks, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no one really coming, you know, uh, up in the system either outside of Zach Eady. So do they do they call Sam Dallenbear? Do they see what he's up to? I, I'm looking. He's 42 years old. I mean, can, he, can. can he give you 10 minutes? <laughs> do we do here? Come through. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like, I mean, Tristan Thompson just signed with the Canadian with the the, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, so he's yeah. currently an NBA player. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be difficult. I was sort of looking at what maybe the Olympics roster can look like, mm -hmm. and I I find it difficult to not have a Zach Eady in there just for sheer size, and you're hoping he takes that next leap. Granted, yeah. you do have Leonard Miller, you do have. Um, uh, Olivier, uh, you have some of these guys coming in that are rookies that will be coming into the NBA. So we'll really see what they look like. Um, but yeah, Canada needs a big. Yeah. Canada needs a big. Hopefully Brandon Clark is, you know, healthy for the Memphis Grizzlies. Hopefully he comes back and he's healthy and he looks good. But great. he's also someone who's 6'8". So yeah, bigs are going to be a big thing. But mm. what Canada just did with the amount of talent that they have, they, they're looking good going into 2024. I'm excited about this team. Yeah, 100%.
where were the biggest strides that the the team made from the beginning of exhibition play to their last game against the U.S.? Where what really stood out to you? Yeah, that's that's an interesting thing. I think obviously, like it's it's hard not to point to Dylan Brooks, who just had the spectacular game that he had. But you watch the sort of cohesion in the chemistry. I mean, a big thing again, sort of pointing to the United States and also an issue for Canada, um, yeah. is when guys don't commit. For many years, you're not seeing that continuity and you're not seeing that chemistry. Of course, Canada implemented this three-year commitment um, mm-hmm. and guys like Jamal Murray and RJ Barrett are making these commitments, which is really big. So you're starting to see that cohesion and that chemistry really develop. You have a guy like Kelly Olenek who's always there, you know, Melvin Edgem, all of these like Phil Scrub, all of these guys that are just there. So you see that chemistry, you see that continuity. But to me, the biggest stride that Canada made, not just throughout this tournament, but if you're looking in years past on yeah. why they had so many heartbreakers, why you're having those, you know, we remember the last time Canada tried to qualify and it was an absolute heartbreaker how they lost right there at the buzzer. Uh, to me, the biggest stride there is having a superstar, Jay Gilchrist Alexander, who, you know, the ball gets to him and he just goes to work. It, it, you know, I, I felt very similar. I, I tweeted out that like the last time I had a guy with cornrows who wore the number two, and every time he was on the court, I felt confident that my team was going to pull through was Kawhi Leonard. And it, to me, it felt very similar. Obviously, they're not similar players, but it felt very similar in that when games get tight and right now for the Raptors last year, we saw it. How many heartbreakers did they lose at the buzzer because they didn't have this guy when games get tight and you need a guy for the ball to go to and you need someone to, to carry through like Shea Gill just did in that U.S. game in particular, yeah. right? You have the crazy shot by Mikhail Bridges that just one of the most insane shots I've ever seen in my life. One of the most insane sequences I've ever seen. You're down four points with four seconds to go and you happen to tie the game. That's incredible. But to just feel confident going into overtime because you know you have the best player and then Shea Gilders-Alexander embarrasses Mikhail Bridges on a level I don't think I've ever seen where a health defender gets crossed over so badly he falls. Like, I've never <laughs> seen that. And so you you just know that, yeah, hey, Shea's time is overtime and he took it control of that game. He was the best player on the court and he ended up winning it for you, which is something as Raptor fans, we're very familiar with, with Kawhi Leonard and we're very much seeing us yeah. not have you know in the last year so watching Shay, I think that to me was the biggest stride is just knowing that you have the best talent on the court on any given night and uh that guy can pull through yeah late in the fourth quarter they're playing uh, get your mismatch basketball and uh RJ Barrett came up with Josh Hart he's like nope don't want that uh and then I believe it was Dylan Brooks came up with Austin Reeves like nope don't want that I just want him and he was kind of pointing at not pointing but he was saying, I want to go out to Mikael Bridges. And he hit that step back against him, the, the pull-up two. And then, of course, in overtime, he hit him with that that step back three. And man, oh, man. like, And Bridges is a good defender. But this is like... That's what how- he wanted him. Yeah. He was like... Uh, he, he said that he was the best perimeter defender, period, in the world. And he's going up against a guy who mm. also maybe has a claim to that and who wants to prove, hey, I'm him. Yeah, seriously. So 31, five and five on 50% shooting in the FIBA tournament. And the, the what stood out to me, and like, we know how much harder it is to score in FIBA just because of the size of the court, how teams can load up on you. And Shea dealt with that throughout the whole tournament. But I, I feel like, and we'll see how it goes in the NBA, but he learned so much about his playmaking skills and how to probe defenses. And we saw Pascal Siakam make huge strides in that uh, this past season when he had like his stretch where he was playing like unreal, you know, first all all NBA kind of basketball. And it's that pause, it's the surveying, it's the reading of the court 
Um, it's it's a different kind of level, and the playmaking that he showed that he could do, the way he's able to read angles and just make and bait defenders, like that's what really stood out to me. Um, do, being able to do that, like now you're getting into a Luka Doncic, LeBron James kind of level of execution and being like your own hub. Think this, the high octane creation that he showed us in this tournament, it, it stands out in a way that I hope it ends up him being, you know, an MVP candidate at some point in his NBA career, because he clearly has the levels of scoring. He has the the, the bag and everything like that. So uh, I've just been really impressed by how he developed throughout the whole tournament. It was so cool to watch. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And honestly, I, I wasn't disappointed in him defensively. I, I I hate to just continuously bring up the American team, but I think that that's obviously the team that Canada wants to, you know, yeah. that's, that's the sort of gold standard, even if they finished fourth. And one of the things that I found very frustrated, frustrating watching the American team, and, you know, Anthony Edwards is, is a star, and I think he proved himself in this, um, in this run as well. Um, but to me, it felt very much like the American guys were, it was very much your turn, my turn. Um, and also the stars who scored, their job was to score, right? Like Anthony Edwards' yeah. job was to score. Whereas with Shea, we're watching him do a whole lot. I felt like he was very much a member of this team, even though it was his time late. You know, Iso Shea was something that you go to in key moments where you're going to need a basket. His like he's just so incredibly crafty and so like watching him was I don't know. He's got one of the prettiest games I think in the league. Period. Yeah. I, I don't think that that's like uh, controversial to say that he might you know, arguably has the prettiest game in the league. There's Kyrie Irving, there's some other guys, but um, he's he's so incredibly crafty and beautiful. And the rebounding to me was something that like really, really stood out. It wasn't his, it wasn't just his job to score. He he got some key stops on the other end. Like we saw some really key steals. We saw blocks from Shea Gildress Alexander. He looked active and engaged defensively. It's not like it was an Austin Reeves situation where his job is to just be on the court and score and he's gonna get attacked every single opportunity on the other end. But also, uh, did he lead the team in rebounds? Like it, it would have been close. If not, like he, he might have actually, yeah active on that end as well and to me it's just like having your leader boardman gets paid not to compare him to Kawhi Leonard throughout the entire podcast but um <laughs> boardman does get paid and there's a reason why um and and to me Shay was just incredibly active on all areas he was so fun to watch and I think the one thing if you're concerned about Team Canada with this in this particular run of course we mentioned the bigs but the other thing was when Shay sat the team really did struggle they did not have a secondary ball handler playmaker that you would need. And, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker had some great games. He certainly did. But mm. this team's over-reliance on Shea, to me, was quite a bit. But, hey, <laughs> you know that you have Jamal Murray coming through. You know you have guys, you know, Jamal Murray, a guy who made the three-year commitment, but, of course, um, due to due to yeah. injury and also having, um, you know, winning a championship, he wasn't available for this one. But hopefully he'll be available for 2024. Um, he's a guy who's made the three-year commitment, so I don't think there's any debate about whether or not he should make the team. It's just a matter of will he be available for that. Um, you, you kind of have an embarrassment of riches at the guard spot. And you also have maybe an Andrew Nemhard who can take a backup point guard role. So there's lots of sort of options for Canada who really did struggle when Shea was mm -hmm. not on the court as as the you know primary playmaker. Yeah. He did actually lead Canada in rebounds per game. It was at eight per game. And then there was a 
big distance. RJ Barrett was at number had six rebounds. So yeah, um, that's Shea there right there. Um, yeah. The adaptability on offense, the adaptability on defense from this team, uh, it, their execution got better and better as the tournament went on. And that's what Jordy said would happen. And I love the fact that Jordy said that this was going to happen, that they're only going to get better, you know, game by game. And we kind of saw their switching defense hit its peak in a sense. Well, like we saw what it could become in that Spain game. And then against Serbia, I mean, that was just a damn good team. Um, but against the States, you know, they were able to switch damn near everything. And because they didn't have like a, an imposing center at the, the center position, um, Walker Kessler is a nice player, but uh, he's not exactly that. And Canada, as you said, they're going to have to deal with this, you know, when they get to the Olympics as well. But uh, that was a, a great showing from them on, on that side of the court. And then offensively, yes, they found, they knew who they were and they found that yeah. out. Right. So that was uh, that was great to see from the Canadians. Um, and then on Jordi Fernandez, what are your your thoughts on his coaching performance? Obviously, it was good, but was there anything that stood out to you as uh, as like a key moments, key times that he showed why he was in the position that he was? Honestly, like to me, it was it was all of it. I think the ability to call guys out after the Brazil game, and yeah. you you hear Dylan Brooks's comments afterwards, you know, saying like. Jody Fernandez, like the way that he, um, the way that he encourages the team, the way that he gets them to sacrifice like that. Uh, Dylan Brooks had, you know, dealt with quite a bit in the regular season, especially towards the end with people really calling out his shot selection with people calling out the way that he plays and, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's a selfish way and all this other stuff. And so to hear him talk about sacrifice, to hear him talk about wanting to play like a team because of a head coach in Jody Fernandez, I think that that's really important. Uh, I was listening to the Zach Zach Lowe podcast the other day, and he told the story about how I feel like it was his pot uh he told the story about how um in sacramento where jody fernandez is an assistant coach for mike brown uh another assistant coach is just like i like to follow him around everywhere like yeah. wherever joe whatever jordy is i'm there because i want to learn from him whether it's people management skills whether it's game management skills it doesn't matter there's just so much to learn from a guy like jordy fernandez and when you see him come in in such limited time this is not a guy who had you know we're talking about Mm -hmm. how important continuity is this is not a guy who had that with this team he came in at the 11th hour and came onto this team and had them do something that Canada has never done and yeah granted he had um you know the most talented roster Canada has put forth in a FIBA World Cup for sure but getting these guys to buy into his system and play it like we always talk about with players you know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And we forget that, like, that's an important thing for coaches as well to, <laughs> to come in and step in and be able to, to get these guys to buy. And I think what he did was incredibly impressive. Um, yeah. You know, getting getting guys to learn his system, fit into his system, and and, and being able to, um, you know, the reason why you say stay ready not uh, so you don't have to get ready is because you're going to be thrown into a game and you need to fit in with what's happening on that court. And yeah. you need to be good. Like, there's just a couple of things that you have to be able to manage when you're coming into a game. And to me, it's very similar for coaching staff as well to come in and be able to fit in to the roster that you have, be able to adapt to the style of play of guys that you have, but also bring in your system as well in mm-hmm. such limited time as you're competing for a medal. Uh, what he did was just incredibly impressive. And uh, there's not enough good things that I can say about him. Yeah. Dylan Brooks, after the uh, USA game, he had said that, you know, about Jordy, he says he believes in us, great schemes, found ways to get NBA guys to come play. So he's talking about, you know, they're doing this for free 
and he got guys to buy into the system and, and want to be part of the program. And he also said one yeah. of the best coaches I've ever had. And on the other yeah. side, Jordy said, this is what it looks like when you let Dylan Brooks play. He said that after the USA game. So obviously, you know, Dylan's not going to have 39 points every single game, but he was, there's like the give and Why take not? with the, <laughs> there's a give and take with the, a player and a coach, right? Like you ask them to do this, but you also have to give them some room to grow into, you know, get into their, their bag, at least on the offensive end. And he found that balance with Dylan and he was doing that with most of the players. And he talks about, you know, calling players out, but also they're still competing for him. They want to compete for yeah. him. They like him. Uh, that's going to be a huge component of what Jordy Fernandez is as he goes forward in his, uh, in his NBA coaching career I, I have no doubt that at some point he will be an nba head coach and being able to like you know a lot of coaches it's like they got either got the player coach relationship side down so they get the buy-in from that side or maybe it's more of a schemes thing um and they're able to get buy-in that way because they're so creative it seems like he's going to be able to get a bit of both worlds and that is a, is a recipe for a huge hugely successful nba head coach and also he's so young and i think he relates to players really yeah. well i do believe he has got a, a philosophy or a psychology degree um, in his, uh, in his oh. basket there. So he's able to connect with people. And I think all the players appreciate that as well. So uh, he did a, a bang up job um, and now going to, yeah, the roster. So you'd mentioned a few names before. Uh, I think they should look at Corey Joseph a little bit. So he had a back injury and I don't, I'm not sure if it was just that that's the reason why he wasn't with the world cup team, but Andrew Nembard, yes, but if we're looking to go to Paris and to win games, want some experience, could use some more experience on this team, and uh, I think that's a route that they should go. But Andrew Nembard, O'Shea Brissett, Brendan Clark, you mentioned Andrew Wiggins. Where are you with the three-year commitment, right, versus just fielding the best roster they can possibly get in Paris? It's a tricky one. But also Nick it Nurse is? is supposed to be the coach too within this three-year commitment. And we saw what happened. So rules are made to be broken. Yeah, you know, there we go. Uh, I, I, I think you you want a medal. And um, yep. unfortunately, when it comes down to it, to medal, you need your best players. I, I don't think you can turn your nose up at Andrew Wiggins because he didn't make the commitment. I do think that you have to like, what you have here with a guy like Jamal Murray, of Jamal Murray's caliber making that commitment is so huge for the future of Canada basketball. RJ Barrett has been in this program since he was, I don't know, his dad is the general manager, but he's been in this program for like, yeah. for so long. Kelly Olenek has been in this program for so long. Like a lot of these NBA players that you have have been doing this for a really long time and you want to reward that. So I completely understand people who have taken the stance of you got to set some sort of boundary there so that you're not setting the precedent that, yeah, you don't get to, you know, you don't have to commit for three years and then you can just join whenever. Um, but at the same time, if you do want to medal and you're going up against the LeBron James and the Stephen Curry's apparently the uh, Avengers, yes. <laughs> the Avengers coming together to stop Dylan Brooks. I mean, <laughs> give Dylan Brooks, you know, a medal of honor Canada. Cause how did he manage to pull that one off? <laughs> but, um, if you, um, yeah, if you're going against that level of talent, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, get, get the best guys. Like I, I want to see Canada medal, and unfortunately, I think that means you need to rely on guys like a, an Andrew Wiggins, like a Brandon Clark, like guys who have not committed to this program for three years, but you know have, have shown yeah. up. Yeah. For sure. And uh, I mean, the three-year commitment that they asked for from players, I think it was more about creating continuity. So in, yeah. so a case like this, where they just did a World Cup, I think they did max out their potential in a good way, that they got as much as they could get out of this roster. And from there, I mean, it is still about winning. So 
what are the flaws on the team? Well, they could use some backcourt depth and also they could use some more size. And, you know, you bring in a point guard, it's going to sure up so much more. We saw like how you mentioned earlier, how bad they were when Shea was off the court. Obviously, Jamal Murray is going to help with that too. But hey, why not add an actual backup point guard? And also, you know, maybe now Jamal can play a little bit off ball because you need his his scoring, you need his shooting. And then maybe it is a Brandon Clark or Andrew Wiggins, more size. Like you, we know that the, the team isn't going to be as big as they'd like to be against, uh, you know, certain matchups, but you can max out on what you're good at. And that yeah. is athleticism and scoring and defense. And I think... It's their job as a front office or a program to get the best roster possible for this huge moment for Canada basketball. And I think that's just kind of how it has to go. So if it's Melvin Edgem, if it's Phil Scrub, Trayvon Haynes, like it kind of is what it is. Um, you respect the guys at the commitment that they made, but this is about winning in the end. And you can't yeah. leap up this opportunity to put Canada basketball on the map, on the map in to a further degree. No, I completely agree. Now, I was going through it yesterday because it, for for starters, this is a good problem to have. Like, mm. like we're we're talking about having too much talent that we yeah. don't know who doesn't, you know, who won't make the roster. Like that is um from where Canada basketball was even a few years ago to where it is right now. I think this is an incredibly good problem to have. You have guys like Shaden Sharp, Andrew Nemhard, Ben Matherin that are coming yeah. up through the ranks as well. You just have so much talent in Canada that this is a great problem to have. But I was I was going through it. I was going through the roster. So there are you know, 12 guys who make the final roster, right? Uh, 12 guys who are on the team. Yeah. Right now, Canada has seven NBA players on that roster. So there are five. That was their rotation. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the rotation for yeah. a reason, right? Like, yeah. And and so I think I think the NBA players, they make it on, right? Like Kelly Olynyk is matters too much to this program. He's the captain of the team. He makes it on. I think Nikhil Alexander Walker, of course, with Shea makes it on. Like you the the uh NBA players, who else? Who who have a name? Dylan Brooks, Lou, RJ Barrett, of course. Powell. Um Oh, Dwight Powell, of course, right? So, like, uh, Lujan, yeah. Um, So, those guys make it on, of course. I mean, the defense with Lou. Okay, can I just say, Dwight Powell going to sit, and and then you see Dort coming in. Like, that is is just monstrous. Feisty, man. He's a feisty dude. That is like, I, if I were on the other team, because like, you know, like the the gif of like, uh you know, Kawhi Leonard going to sit and LeBron like exhaling, Kawhi Leonard coming back and LeBron like taking a big sigh because like, oh yeah. God, I have to deal with this now. You don't have that exhale moment if you're an opposing mm. wing going Seriously. up against a Dylan Brooks or a, a Lujan Dort. Uh, I don't know why I'm calling him by his full name, but it's fun. Um, so... Yeah, so I was looking through it. So you have, like, all of the NBA players make it. And then, of course, Jamal Murray makes it. Like I said, we're talking about three-year commitment guys. He's one who yep. did it. Um, and then you have Andrew Wiggins. I think just in terms of talent, he makes it. I think you need a backup point guard. I mentioned Andrew Nemhard. You mentioned Corey Joseph. I'd be fine with either one. Um, that's talent. Like, Corey Joseph, of course, like, just having that veteran leadership, that presence, an NBA champion, a guy who's been doing this for so long, who's been a part of this Canadian program also for an incredibly long time. Uh, I, I'd be totally down with having Corey Joseph in there um and then I think you need another big and that to me is where Brandon Clark comes in but again depends on um you know his health um and already what did I name four four um Canadian NBA players so that that means one additional spot that leaves one additional spot uh I think size is really important so maybe Zach Eady makes it just off of that alone um but that also you are left with a starting five what 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 is Canada to do? Do you you can't 
who do you bench? You can't bench Andrew. Uh, maybe you bench Andrew Wiggins because he didn't make the commitment. Maybe that's sort of the punishment there because you're starting Dylan Brooks. Like, uh, what do you do? You have to start Jamal. You have to start Shea. You have to start going. a big. Right? So Dwight Powell starts. Who's your big? You, you got to start some big, right? There's you someone you haven't mentioned yet. RJ? I said Shea. Oh, you have to start RJ. Do you? Right? Like, I do uh, so if I don't you know. don't start RJ, you start you start Dylan Brooks and you start Andrew Wiggins and you bring RJ off the bench. Yeah. If you're feeling yeah. if you're I trying mean, to like, put your best players on the starting five, like I think as they've found out their identity, if it is gonna be like you have your your pressure point players, as in like a Shake Gillis Alexander, a Jamal Murray, and then you have someone like, oh, I don't know, Andrew Wiggins, who has been succeeding in this role as a second side driver, as a oh, as a sure. shooter. I like the this idea be, of him doing be. that role instead of RJ Barrett because I think there's a bit For more sure. playmaking with Andrew Wiggins and also just a and bit shooting. more pop. Yeah, absolutely. And a bit shooting. more reliable. And, and definitely, definitely. Um, I think, I, I hey, in terms of talent, I'm right there with you. But yeah. also, hey, if you're going to bring in guys that have not made a commitment, maybe you prioritize bring them in, put them on the roster, but maybe you prioritize or you reward the guys who have. Like sure. I, th- I think there's... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Like you know, politics comes into play in the, in that sense, not not in the sense that his father is a general manager. Of the I was gonna team. say, maybe Ro- Rowan <laughs> Barrett's like, um, excuse me, my hey, son's coming off the bench. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, like RJ, RJ, you know, is is also like what twenty three years old. He can also take a major leap this season, right? Like I think the RJ that we saw this summer shouldn't be the RJ that we see next summer. If you know, he yep. should take another step that's what you're expecting from guys who are 23 years old and so like there's there's a lot but like again embarrassment of riches and a great problem to have this is not an issue that we'd be talking about before and I'm also just like excited about the idea of like you know I don't know what the Jurassic Park for Canada basketball would be called but just to have those all over the country right during the Olympic Games just to have everyone watching the games whether Scotiabank is filled inside and outside or you know whether you have them in you I don't know, city center square. What is it called? I don't know. City center. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like whether you <laughs> the just go have transit it. station. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you should, I mean, you should have like, Hey, there, there, there's going to be two yeah. Mississauga guys on that roster. The, the Saga city stand up as we've been saying, Hamilton should have its own thing. We should be having this all over Canada. I'm really excited for, um, you know, the growth of Canada basketball and, you know, not to, diminish what the women are doing too. Kia Nurse is good. Like <laughs> there's just so much talent on yep. both sides and we're just in such a, a lucky space. Um, shout out to the Alexander family because they've given us so much of our talent. We didn't even mention Kyle Alexander. 
No. No, we didn't. I don't um, know if he's related to the rest of the Alexanders, but just in case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make sure you mention that. Yes. There's a seven hour time difference. No, six hours time difference uh, from Paris and, and Toronto. Or, and I, you would imagine that the NBA guys, Canada, USA, they're going to get the best time slots, right? Probably the ones that would allow, you know, people in North America to watch the game. So that's something to keep in mind too. I mean, it won't be 445 all the time for, for this, <laughs> for the, for the Canadians. So that'll be good to see. It probably get some decent times. And from that standpoint, Hey, Fill up the go transit stations, city centers, whatever. Um, fill them up because it'd be it's a great moment for the whole uh, whole Canada basketball. And as you mentioned, hey, women's team they've been holding it down for a long time. That's why you know unique stuff and new stuff is always more fun. So there's over there doing their thing, and now this is kind of the new flavor. The men's team is actually standing up and doing what they were supposed to do for so many years. Okay, Toronto Raptors. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, there's there's a, a team that you know uh, we actually cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's Hasn't felt team. like that for a little while because uh, anytime uh, a co- conversation it. comes up, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, uh, we they will be a team next season, and we will see how it goes. But as we know, you know, they finished uh, in the playing tournament and uh, they didn't win, so that's how that went. Nick Nurse is gone, and now the latest rumors. When you hear the Toronto Raptors, it's always associated with Dame Lillard. That's just how it is. It's like that's the only reason why the Raptors are coming up in a lot of cases now is that oh Shams is uh, on the on talking on a broadcast he's like you know so if a team like the I don't know the, the Toronto Raptors yes Dame Lillard would not show up there because he only wants to play for the Miami Heat um, it just keeps on coming up but it does also inform why you know things like Pascal Siakam Gary Trent Jr. the rumored extension um, why Pascal Siakam hasn't been a traded or b given an extension it helps us perhaps have an idea of why that hasn't happened yet because probably a lot of dominoes are in the air. And one of those is, can they convince Dame Lillard that he wants to to play for the Toronto Raptors? I don't know, but it does make things make a lot more sense. Um, Is it kind of like that? Like, do you feel like they're still kind of circling the the waters on this? I would have to imagine they are like to me it it was not a surprise you said you know she uh shams was just like eh, you know the toronto Raptors. he mentioned toronto twice he didn't mention mm-hmm. a single other team mm-hmm. <laughs> like i find that pretty curious yeah. um but uh, also i think when you look at it and I, i've been sort of hammering this drum for a long time is when you look at it damian lillard who is a superstar. I don't think people recognize just how good he was last season. Last season might have been one of his best years. He was so watch incredibly Shea. good. <laughs> saw Shea. I said Shay. Oh, yeah. Dame. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, this what it looks like. Three-point shooting, spacing, <laughs> yeah. like just what, yeah. what you can have with a, a Damian Lillard. Dame, Dame was an absolute superstar. So, you know, his stock mm. is obviously going to be as high as it can be. Um, but he's 33 years old and he's signed on for four years. So I think that sort of changes a little bit of leverage. Now, um, looking at it, looking at the NBA landscape, there aren't a lot of teams that have picks, especially the good teams, right? You look at the Milwaukee Bucks, they gave up everything to get Drew Holiday. You look at the Lakers, they have they gave up everything to get Anthony Davis. The Clippers gave everything to get Paul George. And all, like, all of these contenders don't have a lot of picks, and they also don't have a lot of young guys um, who can be enticing in terms of making a package. Um, or the money to sort of give up to get back another guy. They're they're kind of their hands are tied in terms of making a Damian Lillard trade. Now, a lot of the teams that do have the picks, the Utah Jazz, the Oklahoma City Thunder, these teams that have just been collecting picks, how many of them are actually willing to trade up youth and their young guys to get a win now player? Because hey, 
does that make sense when your team yeah. has, you know, Gideon and Chet Holmgren? Yeah. Who are like, what, and you're still building too. You don't know what you are yet. Yeah. You're still building. And, and here's the thing. GMs, their primary objective is to keep their job. <laughs> and the best way to keep your job is to not tie it to a 33-year-old when you can tie it to a bunch of 21-year-old superstars. It's a very rare thing to do. So I yeah. think that like looking at the actual landscape of teams who can make a Damian Lillard trade have the assets to do so, and also can believe that after they make the trade, they are still going to be contenders. That is so incredibly important. There are very few teams who can do it. I think Utah Jazz actually is one of the teams who can because they clearly want to make that win-now move. So they might be in that conversation. Um, I think the Raptors can be in that conversation because, as you mentioned it, you have Pascal Siakam, who will be 30 by the time the next playoffs roll around. You yeah. have Yaka Pertle, who is 28. Uh, OG Ananobi, who's now 26. He's entered that sort of, like, now we're talking, you should be in your prime. You should have entered that next stage in your career. So they have a lot of the older guys, but they have young guys. We've talked about what direction they're going to take. They can pivot to just the young guys' direction, or they can pivot to just the older guys' direction. So they're one of the few teams that can make that move. Miami, of course, one of the few teams that can make that move because they have a young guy in Tyler Hero, but they're on Jimmy Butler's timeline. And Jimmy Butler is, I think, older than Dame. So um, they're just, they're, there are very few teams that realistically can make a Damian Lillard trade. And I think the Raptors are on that short list. So it does not surprise me that their name has been brought up. Um, and that's exciting because those reports about him not showing up to training camp and all that other stuff that has now been refuted because you that that report comes out people need to send out other another ones. one came which one um, are you talking about because another one came out like yesterday but yes yeah saying that he will show up yeah yeah that was like the, yeah, the damage yeah. control one because that is an empty promise there was no way that a guy was not going to show up when you have mm -hmm. four years left on your contract does that mean you're not going to show up for four years? Because you're 33. So does that mean we're not going to see you play basketball again until you're 37 and, you know, magically get your next contract? No. So that was obviously an empty promise that was never actually going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense that that was walked back the next day because that's not true. You need more yeah. people. I don't believe you. In the last year of his contract, which is a player option year, he's making $63 million. I wonder if he's going to opt in. <laughs> I wonder if the cap might just be like a, a billion dollars. <laughs> he opts out because <laughs> uh, something else has happened. No, but yeah, like he's he's obviously not. There's too much money at stake, and also that's yeah. never who Damian Lillard is, right? Like these, he's been the like people are like, well, he might just do a James Harden, and he might just do this and that and third. We've watched Damian Lillard for what twelve years of his career at this point, and he's never been that guy. He's not just all of a sudden going to be that player. I don't see it. I think these reports are just, you know, trying to scare teams away, but they don't hold much weight because when you're a superstar and you sign on for four years, you've given up your leverage. It's the reason why LeBron always signs short-term contracts. The yeah. way to maximize your leverage as a superstar in this league is sign on for short-term, not long-term. I wonder if he's kicking his agent a little bit because you look at the numbers of his contract and it seems like the agent in the working of the deal, he was projecting, you know, what the cap is going to look like year by year by year. So from that point standpoint, good job. But now also you've tied Dame down for a long ass time. And you're in this predicament now. When Kawhi Leonard became a Toronto Raptor, he was in a contract year. He had to show that he was still that guy. And obviously he did. But for Dame, like we already know he's that guy. And he feels like, you know, I only have so many years left in my, on as my, my prime years in the NBA. And I devoted so many of them to the Portland Trailblazers. And, you know, we were just middling in mediocrity for that many years. And I only want to go to Miami. That's the only place I am dictating things now. That's what it seems like he's, he's saying. And 
if the Raptors are still interested in getting his services, despite that very fact, and I think that must mean something that Miami, these reports about Miami being the only team he wants to go to, I it seems like that has to be true. But what happens if the deal just isn't appetizing for the Blazers? It seems like they need like a third team or something like that to be in in play for a deal to you know to turn out where they're getting the value of Damian Lillard. Like yeah. it's a really tricky situation. Um, and the fact that you know maybe does he report to training camp? Does he not? Like yes, he might report. But what if it's like a James Harden kind of thing or a Ben Simmons kind of thing? He's just unhappy. He's not that guy. But he's probably saying like I only have this many years. Like I am not. I'm not going to be playing around with the rest of my NBA years during my prime. We, we've seen him just sit for no freaking reason for the past few seasons. I don't doubt that he's very healthy. He's got to be healthy as hell. Now, that was him being a company player. Like to me, that that is yeah. him being a company man. His team wanted to get a better draft pick. And so he sits out, right? Like that, that was obviously team tanking. I do think maybe if he returns back to Portland, he has zero interest in playing there. He knows he can't compete for anything. He knows he can't win. Yeah. But if they make a trade, I think the team that trades for him, even if it's not Miami, is a team that has aspirations of, you know, contention aspirations. And I don't think that a 33-year-old who has never won anything, you know, got swept in the only conference finals he ever went to, uh, I don't know that that's someone who's going to turn up their nose at that, especially at 33. And hey, you play well, maybe you work your way into, you know, building your trade value up and your new team can trade you if that's the case. But as Raptor fans, we're not, this is not new to us, right? Like you had Kawhi Leonard, you, you make that trade every single time. OKC with with uh, Paul George, he don't want to go there, but like he resigned there, right? Like he wanted to go to LA specifically. He resigned there. Granted, yes, he left to LA, but they were able to get Shea Gilders Alexander. They do that trade ten times out of ten. And as Raptor fans, guess what? Don Lowry, greatest Raptor of all time. I have no interest in being a Toronto Raptor. <laughs> he didn't he didn't want to, especially if he was going to back up Steve Nash, which was sort of the reports at one point um, before Steve Nash decided no, he was going to go to LA. Um, but um, I mean, it's like, kind of so, thank you, but yeah, <laughs> yes, very much thank you. Oh my goodness. Um, and and the Raptors pivoted to getting a Kyle Lowry at that time. Could have also drafted a Damian. We we almost had a situation where you had Kyle and Dame, but um, you you um draft you trade for. Kyle Lowry he had zero interest he was going to be out the first chance he got his contract was coming up in two years and guess what he resigns and has won a championship with the team and has gone down as the greatest Raptor of all time this is it's not new that guys come here and don't want to be here we've read player tribune article from Patrick Patterson where he says the exact same thing this is not something that's new but they come here the city's hard not to love this fan base is hard not to love and if this team is actually competing and fighting for things that are good I think it would like his fit alongside Pascal Siakam and Oji Ananobi would be so inc- like just oh he fits like a glove. Um, he's even got a rolling it, big. Like he's good. He's even got Yakupurda. I even forgot that we trade for center. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> the Raptors we're we're right there. We just need a point guard. But um, I I think that like he would be fine here. I just don't know if the the Raptors make that move because why hasn't it happened? If it um you know mm. if it was going to why hasn't it happened already? But also who knows? Yeah. Maybe OG's our point guard. He was at uh, Steph Curry's basketball camp with a few other NBA players. Maybe he's next up and coming point guard for the Toronto Raptors. At least they could have someone that would make someone go over on a screen, right? (laughs) Because right now they don't have too many guys that could do that. True. True. That three point shot was looking nice in those, in those uh, little clips that we got to see too. Indeed. Wrapping up very shortly, Dennis Schroeder. So world cup MVP uh, averaged 19 points and six assists 
And the conversation around who starts for the Toronto Raptors, it's still ongoing. Is Scotty Barnes playing point guard or is it going to be Dennis Schroeder playing the point guard position and Scotty's like the backup kind of default or how is it all going to work? I mean, it's, it's hard to, to pinpoint what it's going to be. But uh, on NBA Today yesterday, actually, Malika Andrews asked him, why did you go to Toronto? And when he said Darko, and also he said that it was intriguing to be able to, I'm paraphrasing, to be able to ball handle more, to have a similar role that he had with Germany where he was the number one option, right? That's what he said to Malika. And he's already said something very similar to Akil Augustine a few months ago in, in Vegas. So to me, it seems like he's going to be the starting point guard or he's been told that. Um, I don't know. But uh, where do you land on? I guess, actually, his Germany play. Does that make you feel a little bit better about how he could look in the Raptors uh, as a point guard? Or um, has kind of things been unchanged because of the FIBA game is so different and spacing is different? Oh. Yeah, spacing is definitely different. That's my thing is like, Dennis Schroeder, have you watched <laughs> Based on those comments, I just, that's my one question. But um, it, it, the FIBA game is really different. Also, the Germany team is built in, in a much different way than the Toronto Raptors are. They have more shooters. Uh, that's not something that he's going to have here. And I think the conversation about whether or not he starts comes down to what is the shooting going to look like if he's on the court with Pascal Ziakam, Jakob Pertl, and Scotty Barnes. Um, but I think that um, as for his FIBA game, like he's he's a 29-year-old guard or 30-year-old guard. Like we kind of know what he is. I'm I'm not sort of totally changed by what I saw in FIBA because the game is so different because the way the Germany squad is built is so different. But you're starting to see some of the reasons why you want a guy like that. We haven't had a guy who can get downhill in the same way. Um, He... He was able to just create something sometimes out of nothing. He was also, for Germany, their go-to guy in the clutch, right? Like Franz Wagner, people can say that he was their best player. That tournament, I'm not going to argue against them. But when it came down to it in the fourth quarter, when the game got tight and you needed someone to get you a basket, like he was able to do in that gold medal game, it went to Dennis Schroeder and he was their guy to pull it out. And the Raptors really struggled with having... um, with having something like that, um, well, that's the reason why they lost so many games in the clutch last year. Um, and, and so, like, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about having a guard who can do something that we just haven't had. We haven't had a guy who can get downhill in the same way. We haven't yeah. had something like that who can really sort of change the pace also if he comes off the bench. That's someone who kind of changes the way that this team looks. Um, so, so yeah, I'm excited about the things that Dennis Schroeder can do. Um, I don't know that he's going to be your go-to guy when you have Pascal Siakam, Ojean, and Obi and sure. Barnes on the team. But um, I'm, I'm excited for him and excited for the way that he can fit in. You just need more shooting. You need more spacing. And, and hopefully he can, I don't know, he can bring in some of that. Maybe he has a good three-point shooting year. Mm-hmm. Do you think he starts? Uh, you know, based off of his comments on Darko, I, I think that maybe you think that there was like a promise made ahead of time. Here, here's the thing. I think if he comes off the bench, there's benefit in that you have more shooting in your starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you, so many answers to the Raptors next season is what leap has Scotty made. That I think answers all sorts of things. So Scotty can be your primary ball handler and Scotty can get the paint touches to get those driving kick actions going. If Scotty has improved his three point shot, so you have guys sometimes going under on screens. Um, <laughs> if you can have, um, if you can have, uh, you know, Scotty take that next leap, then certainly. But playmaking is so important. I think you need a point guard just as badly as you needed a center. So for that yeah. reason, I think maybe Dennis starts, but then your shooting becomes really bad because 
hey, maybe OG in at the Steph Curry camp has improved his three-point shot. He's obviously the team's one of the team's best three-point shooters, but sure. he's also made so much of his damage in the corners. And I think to be a traditional floor spacer, you need to be a good movement shooter. You need to be able to, that that, that entire arc needs to be yours. It can't just be somewhere deep in the corner. You can't just be spotting up. Yeah. You need OG to just do a little bit more. And so you're really looking for growth from Odiana Nobi and you're looking for growth from Scotty Barnes. Um, and, and that to me answers every question about the Toronto Raptors. There's not a single question that doesn't come down to what step has OG Ananobi taken? What step has Scott, Scotty Barnes taken? Yeah. If you take out the game against Latvia where he shot 426, Oof. he sh- yeah, that was pretty brutal. Um, <laughs> and also elevate from three. He shot 38% from three and 51% from the field. Now, obviously I'm saying you take out a game, the game happened. It is something to consider. Um, but uh, he was, you know, hitting some pull-up threes, and it's all FIBA. It's a different circumstance. He was hitting some catch-and-shoot threes. He was a corner spacer for them. He was their game manager. Um, and if, if, in fact, that he is going to be, you know, taking on that role with the Toronto Raptors, I think there are some pros and cons to it. The spacing is going to be very different. Um, I like the idea of having someone who can just get to the paint and, you know, 3.7 seconds like he did against Serbia where there's 25 seconds left on the clock and within 3.3 seconds, he was at the basket and he was uh, cooking up some good stuff. TJ Ford, who's the last point guard that the Raptors had that could do something like that? TJ Ford? Like it's not Probably. Olay, it's not Kyle Lowry. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. I think we go back that far. Seriously. And drives per game last year, they were 17th and it was primarily, it was Fred and it was Pascal. They both averaged 13, I see here. And just getting that initial paint touch, especially within this 0.5 basketball system that they're going to be trying to utilize and his familiarity with Darko, just like the style that he wants to play. I mean, there's some synergy there that could help the Raptors be a lot better offensively, but the shooting, of course, is still going to be a limitation. And, you know, Pascal Siakam, is he able to be a better three-point shooter? He was decent from from the corner actually last season. So maybe there's some creativity that Darko does with putting Pascal in the corner as opposed to other spots on the court. But from, you know, looking from the outside, looking in, if you have Scotty Barnes and Dennis Schroeder on the court together, there's a lot of playmaking right there. So how do you implement a system that, you know, with some cutting, with some off-ball movement, with some creativity, obviously, that Darko is hopefully going to have? You know, it's interesting, actually. I was thinking about this, that... Jordy and Darko are both known as player coaches, but Jordy is the one that didn't get the job with the Raptors. And it makes you think that after what we just saw him do with Team Canada, like what did he draw on the board for Masai and Bobby that would that made him go like, I like this. I like this. It's inter- it's interesting. They said he wasn't their their favorites going into it. You know, they yeah. they, they didn't mention that uh, um, he wasn't their favorites at any point going into it. So I, I think that like I think a lot of people were sort of looking at what Jordy did um, in obviously the FIBA World Cup and being like, all right, you got big shoes to fill, Darko. You got to prove that this is. But but I think there's a reason why he was picked. There's a reason why Dennis Schroeder picked. The Raptors, right? Like the Raptors wanted to get a Malcolm Brogdon last year, weren't able to get him because he chose another team. And you have, you know, someone like Dennis Schroeder, World Cup MVP, picking the Toronto Raptors. I think there's a reason for it. I'm actually really excited to see what Darko does. There's clearly something special in him um, that has a lot of, uh, you know, people picking him. So has your feelings changed on the Raptors next season? Last time we talked, I think it was after Fred was, uh, he signed with the Houston Rockets. I know, I mean, both of us are kind of like, eh, what the hell's going on here? Um, but you look at their depth chart. So obviously there's more depth. Uh, you can believe that Christian Coloco might have like a stable backup center role. Grady Dick is now in play. Maybe early on in the season, he's spending more time with the 905. But I would think by, you know, 
the new year or so, he's probably going to be spending a decent amount of time with the Toronto Raptors, and he could be a rotation player. Jalen McDaniels, huge fan of him, and Precious Achua. Those are just some names that could be coming off the bench for the Toronto Raptors, and then obviously Gary Trent Jr. or Darren Schroeder, but there's Chris Boucher, there's Otto Porter Jr. Um, I was looking at clips from Media Day last year, and one thing that Thad mentioned was, wow, look at all of our depth. We have so much depth, but I think it's actually it's a better reason to say that in this upcoming season that they're, the, the depth is that much better. Um, so if Nick they're Nurse able to go... never heard that. No, Nick no, Nurse did no. not hear that soundbite. <laughs> Absolutely not. But, you know, 10 deep. It's actually, I can see them going 10 deep uh, game by game. Um, and, you know, Eastern Conference, it's kind of a bit of an influx right now because of the Philly situation, because of the Miami Heat situation with Dame Lillard. So there's only a and few Boston situation. That, yeah, for sure. Christoph right? Porzingis is, is hurt. You know, he's... He, yeah. Christoph Porzingis did not play in the World Cup for a reason, and that's going to... And they don't have a playmaker either. Speaking of a team that, you know, maybe maybe struggling there. Marcus Smart trading him? I don't know, man. I'm not sure I how thought, that's going to go. I don't I don't love that at all. Yeah. Like, I, I thought Boston had the best offseason last year. I think that they had uh, not my favorite offseason, I'll say that. So what are the sure things in the Eastern Conference? It's what, Milwaukee and the Cavs? Is that it? Yeah. And I Milwaukee, put New York, Milwaukee, <laughs> yeah. waving Ananda to Kumbo brother after Giannis had the comments that he had signing him and then waving him the next day. I don't know. I wonder if besides making some calls there as well. <laughs> 100%. So, I mean, the Raptors are four games out of six last season, um, considering yeah. how bad uh, the situation was, considering like the, the lack of buy-in from the roster, you put that along with the new system, their defense is going to be good. There's there's something that could make there's a reason to believe that they're going to be a little bit better than probably people think, right? I believe the projection is 36 wins for them, 36.5 wins. Um, there's more reasons to think that they're going to be above that if they do indeed, you know, try to make the playoffs next season versus you know them not being that team and you know finishing the bottom six. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that that Vegas um, win total projection really comes down to nobody knowing what the Raptors' direction is. So it's yeah. like you they're could be a point where Pascal and OG are gone and then mm -hmm. you are left with a team that is not going to win very many games or there could be, you know, a scenario where everybody's back and then maybe you're fighting for a play-in team, which like playing yeah. for what is something that Masai Ujiri has said before. <laughs> uh, hopefully it's not against DR DeRozan. Um, but uh, yeah, like I, I just, I think that so much is in flux for this team. I feel a little bit more confident. I love the fact that they brought in Jamama Layla. Um, I maybe Same. I'm just riding the high of Team Canada, um, but uh, I yeah. feel just a little bit more optimistic about basketball in general. Um, and maybe Lillard rumors. Maybe I'm just trying to be happy <laughs> until he gets traded. There's always a little bit of hope, uh, and the rest yeah. of the Eastern Conference is kind of crumbling around us. So uh, why not enjoy it? Why not? If you can't enjoy your team, enjoy the demise of other teams. That's the message I want to leave everybody. With <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> what a way to end it <laughs> if everyone else gets worse then our mediocrity could you know put us up there eh, right and i mean last season they shot what 32 percent from three if they're getting decent looks like how much worse can it be really like it can't be that much worse so you know better health 
better shooting from assorted players. They're in the top 20 and three-point percentage. That is a huge difference for their outcome offensively and also in their half court. And I think they're going to run. I think they're going to be a good transition team. They're going to be a good defensive team. And buy-in. To me, it's it's buy-in. And like one of the things about Dennis Schroeder that I actually think is I kind of appreciate is the fact that he was like, Matthew Kleber, no, sorry. You can't join Germany because you did not commit. You were not Mm -hmm. here. And we're going to run with this. And to me, that shows a, a... from a leader, a level of like, you have, like, it doesn't matter if you're an NBA player. It doesn't matter if you're better than half of these guys on here. Like if you're not committing, if you're not doing the work that needs to be done in order to (laughs) contend right now, then you're not going to play in. And I think, I think a level of buy-in and a leader, a a level of like, no, this is what it's going to be from a a leader on your team. And he's a veteran in this league. He probably the second or third oldest guy on this team maybe mm-hmm. behind daddy's young and auto porter auto porter's young he might be the same age as him auto porter just seems old he's 29 um, but, yeah, he's 29 years old age. i think they're the same age auto porter just like he just feels a little i don't know he, there's something he, he came oh, into the league as a veteran he's 30 sorry he's but yeah 30, right i think, I think they're 30. both like probably probably 93 uh born players um so yeah so yeah. they're probably about the same age maybe chris boucher is older um well, also 93 um so <laughs> No need to, uh, anyway, but my point is having someone who sort of has that level of buy-in because it felt like so many guys, including the coach, were checked out for parts of last season. And I think um, you you want guys who are excited about playing basketball and also committed to winning and committed to doing the work it takes to win. And, and maybe you have that in in uh, Dennis Schroeder. I'm just trying to be optimistic. I don't know. Again, sure. If you can't celebrate your team, laugh at yeah. um, everybody else. I mean, Darko's going to walk around just smiling all the time. That has to help the vibes in some capacity. Yeah. <laughs> right? I agree. He's just going to make TikToks and dance. And Scotty Barnes is going to be on the TikToks and dance. I just feel like yeah. you might just have better vibes. Grady Dick changed changed us for the better. Did he not? He must have. Imagine Shay tells Andrew Wiggins that he can't be on the team because he didn't commit. <laughs> team Canada, I mean. Wouldn't that be funny? I love you, Shay Gildress Alexander, but I want a medal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, y'all. That was a lot of fun. Thanks so much, Aman. Um, Anything uh, brewing? Anything cooking? Anything coming up for you? Um, Check out Pros and Claws. We are coming out with some more stuff. That's me and us who do it on Substack. So really do check that out because we're coming out with some more stuff um, and having some YouTube shorts. And we'll we'll load all of that on our Twitter. So we'll we'll get to see all of that good stuff. Beautiful. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the rest of your summer. The Raptors are around the corner. Two weeks away. So 